Hello, and welcome back to the Growth Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Lincoln Amstutz here, and today I've got Charlie Cameron uh, online with me here. We're going to do an interview, and I'm excited to introduce him. So before I bring him on, a little bit about Charlie. Uh, Charlie Cameron is an Air Force veteran who has found a passion for real estate while serving and has since transitioned to be a full-time real estate investor. Uh, people in real estate are his passion and helping others succeed and avoid the mistakes he's made is what he finds most rewarding. Charlie enjoys monitoring or mentoring growth-minded investor agents the most. At this time, he's growing an international real estate team, building a local military-focused real estate team, and scaling a portfolio of short-term rentals, residential assisted living, and other asset classes. Charlie has learned to leverage team systems and automation so that he can prioritize family and have control over his time and spend it on the things that matter most. So it is without further ado that I uh, will bring on Charlie here. Charlie, welcome to the Growth Circle Podcast. Lincoln, pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Glad we could have this conversation. Uh, I know you were able to have a little bit of a convo with Jake um, a, a little bit back on episode, I believe it's 41. So that was that was a fun episode with a few guys, but glad we can kind of sit down here and dive in a little bit deeper into your story and, and what you've got going on. Yeah. Yeah. I had fun at that, uh, that event. And it was, we talked a lot about um, kind of success mindset and family mindset and priorities. And, and that was all a, a very interesting conversation to have a bunch of, uh, amongst a bunch of entrepreneurs who are so focused on work and getting stuff done. Right. Now, we were just talking before this, and I think those events and getting together with like-minded guys and, and girls that have such, uh, you know, drive and motivation and, you know, are working on similar things that you're working on. And like you said, mindset, it's, yeah, definitely, you know, a great push and you can learn a lot. So um, sounded like that was a great setup. But I wanted to start off by asking you here. Uh, you've got your hands in a variety of aspects in real estate from building a portfolio uh, of real estate to growing a team uh, of real estate agents locally, internationally. You're a top 1% influencer at eXp Realty. Can you give us some insight into your journey and why you have the focuses in real estate today that you do? Yeah, I, I think I stumbled into real estate the same way a lot of people do, which is with bigger pockets. Right. I, I found the podcast. Actually, I guess it starts even before that. A buddy in a bar, you know, it started a conversation. I was all into index funds and he was like, hey, why don't you invest in real estate? And I was like, I'm not going to fix toilets. That's stupid. Right. And so then he sent me an article about the four profit centers of real estate. And I just kind of went down the rabbit hole, found bigger pockets, emerged eight months later and bought two fourplexes as a package as my first deal. Um, hmm. while my wife, uh, while, uh, right after my daughter was born in the hospital, we made that offer. <laughs> so I was a new dad a month later. Uh, we closed on our first <clears throat> real estate investment. We'd owned a home. Um, and, uh, day one, I'm in, I'm in that complex and I'm, you know, I'm pulling out squirrels out of the furnace, you know, like the, the, like mummified squirrels that have been in a furnace that someone was living in that unit, right? Like, like just, just low quality slumlording. I was like, I, I, I could do better than that at least. Right. So I, I started kind of the same way a lot of real estate investors do, which is with the sweat equity and, and kind of building it yourself and renovating units and things like that. Um, 
along the way, I acquired some more um, small multifamily value add multifamily seemed like in my mind, like a really smart choice at the time. Um, and uh, got another partner to go along with me. And then uh, I moved down from Ohio to Florida. And really, there wasn't that asset class. Plus, I was out of cash, right? Um, young military guy, you don't make a ton of money in the military, even though I loved it. Um, I decided I needed to get my real estate license and maybe I can make some additional cash on the side to, to buy more real estate. Um, I also ended up joining the war room mastermind around that same time. So those kind of me joining EXP as well as the war room mastermind kind of like totally changed my success path in life surrounding me by those, uh, those people like-minded entrepreneurs and business builders in real estate really kind of changed everything for me. So I, I went from a, I'm just going to build this portfolio over time slowly to a, I'm going to move fast. I transitioned into short-term rentals, self-managed from afar, learned, you know, made all the mistakes there too, um, learned kind of all the hard ways and then figured out how to automate and build processes and build teams. Um, so I transitioned almost fully into short-term rentals um, and then have since over the last, uh, I'm now transitioning into a kind of a different asset class, residential assisted living. Um, because as everybody knows, right, we're at yesterday's prices with today's interest rates, it makes it a lot more difficult to find cash flow. And my goal is cash flow, not appreciation, not equity, it's cash flow. So for me, that was the next asset that seemed to make the most sense at the time. Um, as well as along the way, I learned, hey, like I can help other real estate agents succeed. Like, I, I hey, I went from I, I was successful part-time. I made six figures in my second year as a part-time agent, right? And so I can help other people do that. And then I transitioned out because I was like, hey, listen, I, I love the military, but I have other priorities, including my family and um, and pursuing real estate as a full-time thing so that I don't have to pursue it during time I want to be spending on my family. So for me, I, I, I made that transition. I took a, a front seat to real estate and a part-time reservist job with the military. So I kind of flip-flopped the two. Um, and that allowed me to focus on real estate and continue to grow a real estate team where I only win if they win, uh, both locally and nationally, um, and a couple of international agents. And then um, and then growing my real estate portfolio and a kind of an aligned management company with that. So um, it sounds like a lot. <laughs> And it surely is a lot. I'm even though I don't have a day job anymore, uh, I stay very busy um, just building different things. And so I really enjoy I, I don't know if I could build one thing. I think I'm too um, too distracted or too entrepreneurial to do one thing, even though I, I know that's really the path to to faster success, but I just enjoy doing multiple things. So that's a a rough summary, 11 years military, have been investing for about six years in real estate. I've been an agent for three and a half or so, um, now 90 agents uh, nationwide uh, on the team, and then a small local team focused on serving other military families. That's a, in a nutshell where we're at. Right, right. No, I appreciate you kind of breaking it down. And it's it's really neat to hear the variety of different things you've tried out, even within real estate. Um, and and, you know, even what you're saying, like, OK, you could focus on even one of those, but, you know, your personality and I'm that say, same way in a lot of ways. Like, I just like trying different things out, kind of have your hands in a few different avenues. But at the same time, like you've got to experiment and try out different parts of the industry to know what you are really good at, what you really like and what's going to work for you and your goals. Right. Like you mentioned something there 
you know, you wanted to focus on the cash flow, right? That's, you know, one of your big things and not so much, you know, not as much a focus, the appreciation, right? And you're going to have to invest differently and in different types of properties in order to achieve that. And, and that's just part of that process of, of learning and, and, and growing within real estate. So I, I like that you mentioned that for sure. Uh, can you can you give us a, a little bit of insight into it, why that is the case for you? Why you know cash flow is is more of your focus? You know, buying the short term rentals that you know are going to help out with that more so than maybe long term and some of the other things you switched out from. Yeah, my focus did not was not originally cash flow. I thought I was going to go. Hey, you know, after after the military, when I retire and get that kind of you know forty percent of my ending pay paycheck forever. And like, I thought that was going to be my path. My wife's active duty too. So we thought, Hey, we'll have that income. My goal is to replace that by then. So, um, that was the initial goal, but then I found that my passions and priorities kind of shifted largely to, Hey, I now have two little kids and I want their, their memory to be of me being present. Right. It doesn't really matter how much money I make. It doesn't matter, um, what my legacy or whatever is, I, I really don't care so much. Like I like building stuff and it'd be cool to have that, but it's more important to me now. Like I could build stuff later right now. I want to be present and I want them to remember that I was present. Right. So I got out right in time to start my kinder, uh, my daughter starting kindergarten. I got to walk her to school every day, almost every day for the last year. And that was a game changer for me because I've developed this whole new relationship that I couldn't have when I was, had a W-2 job with a lot of requirements. My wife had it too, right? So it just made it really hard. Um, and, you know, what we did in the military wasn't all that stressful. But, I mean, we, you know, we were in charge of weapons development and acquisitions programs, which which can get stressful at times and has a lot of demands. And, and out, you know, at night you're doing emails and stuff. And it just became, became a lot. So for me, um, cash flow, getting back to the original question, sorry. Cash yeah. flow was the way to achieve freedom, right? So for, you know, initially my goal is freedom from a W-2, right? So having enough cash flow from uh, my national team of agents and from real estate investments was how I was going to make the exit. Like, yes, I can go sell houses and I enjoy selling houses, especially to first time military home buyers. That's, that's awesome. But um, I don't want to be dependent on commission income. I also don't want my clients to feel that weight that, you know, some agents have where this is how I put food on the table. Like I never wanted that for them. Um, I want them to have a better experience where it's like, I, I'm here, I'm here for you. If you don't want to work with me, that's okay. Like, I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to pressure. Um, so yeah, essentially I needed to focus on cash flow so I could achieve freedom from a W2. And then still that's my focus because to me, that's the way to achieve freedom, period. So and my bigger 2030 goal is is more like a thousand dollars a day, um, which sounds, you know, I, I realize how that might sound to some folks, but when you know, because a lot of people are like, I want ten thousand dollars a month. Man, ten thousand dollars a month really doesn't go that far anymore, right? Um, you know, and it, it depends on where you live and what you want to do. If you want to travel a lot, which is a huge passion of ours, ten thousand bucks isn't going to get you the house payment, the cars, you know, the car payments and the travel, right? So to me, um, you know, kind of closer to $1,000 a day of semi, semi-passive semi income is my 2030 goal, which I think will allow my family to do just about anything, right? We can we can go 
see something new and travel overseas for a month in the summer. Like that, that's the kind of where I want to be. I want to create experiences like my life intent. I had to write my life intent down um, is to create a life full of amazing memories created through massive freedom. Right. Yeah. How do I do that? Financial freedom is a piece of that. Um, right. I'm never not going to hustle. Like I don't ever see myself not working at least 30 hours a week. I just enjoy it. I, and I'm passionate about learning and growing and, and, and partnering with others, but I still want the option to cut the cord for 30 days and run to Spain and, and, and do whatever. Right. Like I, I just kind of figure what's the worst that could happen. I could just go back to being an engineer. Right. Okay. That, that's fine too. But look at the upside. The upside is so massive of going out and trying to do my own thing um, that it just it was an it eventually became a no brainer to me. I've always just been passionate about other projects, and I was like, I need to just I need to do this full time and see where it takes me. Right. Uh, so good because you've got to you got to look at where you're at currently, and then you start you know like you're saying you're looking into bigger pockets and some of these resources, and you start seeing what's out there and what other guys are doing, and then you know, you start testing yourself over the years and you're like, okay, I can really see, you know, how, yeah, at first a thousand dollars a day of semi-passive income can sound crazy. And and it is a very significant amount uh, that would be you know, a great setup, but it's very doable. It's very achievable if you, you know, stick with your goal and you break it down. And again, with what we're saying uh, is you've, you've got to reverse engineer it, right? You could have just heard, you know, so-and-so in bigger pockets or so-and-so says you need long-term rental properties. And this is what you do to get started in real estate. This is how you build wealth. And sure, that could work. And it works for a lot of people. But for you, you're like, hey, with my time frame, I want to spend time with family now. I'm going to have to do things a little different. What types of properties are going to allow me to reach these goals of, of higher passive income, higher cash flow right now versus just the benefit down uh, long term. So can you break down for somebody um, that might not be as familiar, like you have a long term rental, short term rental, what might be the comparison of cash flow that one might make versus the other, the upside um, of, of that income? Yeah. So, I mean, in the in the recent past, before, you know, money printer go burr and like there's money everywhere and prices went way up and then interest rates went way up before that time, the you know, you, you could get into long-term rentals and and expect to, in a lot of markets, be able to rent them at a rate where after all your expenses and your P&I, right, your principal and insurance for your from your mortgage, your principal and interest for your mortgage, um, then you could expect to net a few hundred dollars, you know? And it really varied by market. You know, some people said $100 a door is a good number. In some markets, you could do 500 a door on a long-term rental. I've got one down the street that does $900 a month, Right. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm keeping that sucker. But, um, you know, that that's not really the case now. So we can kind of go into that in a little bit. There's only a few markets really that are great for cash flowing long term rentals at the moment. Um, you have to be able to buy at much lower prices for interest rates to make sense right now for long term rentals. And unfortunately, a lot of sellers aren't willing to do that just yet. Plus, there's not a lot of inventory. So that's holding up the prices. So it's really hard to get that same cash flow today in a long term rental. Um, even at the same, you know, compare then to now the the difference between long-term and short-term rentals is generally the same where short-term rentals are going to bring in a higher daily rate. If you think about it, you're, you really, and it's not nearly as passive. You're, you're operating a hotel at this point. Um, but that means more income, right? 
you know, hotel room rents for one to three hundred dollars a night, depending on a market. That's far more than it, just a whole house alone in a market would rent for. So you just kind of look at that comparison. Short-term rentals make more money, and they're there. You can self-manage them. You can self-manage one or two pretty easily. Once you get a, a kind of a handful, it gets to become really tiresome, you know. So um, I learned very quickly how to automate and how to build a team around that, um, virtual assistants and, and local folks and, and things like that. So I became really good at managing short-term rentals from afar um, because it became necessary for my cash flow goals. Um, but generally, you know, it, it really depends again on the market, market saturation levels at this point. Um, but you're looking at as close to double the the total cash uh, income gross revenue on a short-term rental. It could be three or four X depending on the market. It could be slightly less in some. Um, the danger right now is that a lot of folks are still looking at 2022 numbers, like the inflation, all this extra money that came around. Well, shoot, short-term rental nightly rates went up 30% in 2022. Guess where they're not at anymore, right? So people bought those properties at the top dollar with low interest rates thinking, hey, I'm going to print all this money. Well, no, we're back to kind of 2020, 2021 rates now. So it, it, if you had to still buy right um, for that to, to still make sense. So short-term rentals has gotten a lot harder. It's not impossible. Um, the, the key in my mind to short-term rentals right now is to either focus on burr properties where you are actually doing a renovation and improving the property as well as focusing on super unique, super Instagram-worthy properties. I mean, you can make a house down the street super unique and super cool. Um, and that's going to bring you to the top of the list. But even more unique properties, like I have a geodesic dome in Colorado, always full. Because it's so unique. It's so cool that that little two-bedroom dome is is still renting for 250 to, to 400 a night, depending on the season. So um, really, uniqueness is where it's at for short-term rentals, since so many investors got into that space. Um, I would advise anybody that wants to get into it to focus on that. And if you are trying to get into short-term rentals for the first time, go buy one in a market that you'll actually use and can take your family to. That's how we got started. And it became, it was like, this is a game changer, right? I can go to this once a year with the family and that's kind of cool. And it pays for itself and it prints money, right? Um, so there's so many cool things you can do with real estate. Right. I agree with you uh, big time on a couple of those conditions that it needs to be, you know, the big one there being, it needs to have an Airbnb or short-term rental of some sort should stand out at this point because, you know, I was looking at the numbers, um, I believe it's nationwide. They were saying 18% increase in people staying at short-term rentals year over year compared to last year. Okay, great. But they said also the inventory has gone up close to 30%. So you've got an increase on both ends. Yes, but there's more competition now. So what do you do? You've got to stand out. There's still plenty of people staying in these short-term rentals, but you've got to stand out, and in that way, you can stay booked up as you need. Like you're saying, something that you could use yourself and and has those added benefits. Uh, have you had to transition any of yours into midterm rentals? I know that's becoming more of a uh, a used uh, strategy, or you're staying fairly booked up because of the uniqueness, or you know the way you manage them and and promote them. That's a really good question. So midterm rentals might be the next wave, right? So so if everyone's reference here, we're talking about like a longer term furnished rental. Think about a short term rental, but for at least a month. This could be traveling nurses. This could be corporate stays. 
This could be military, um, longer term TDYs. This could be insurance stays. People who've been displaced for one reason or another from their home. Um, this is becoming more common. And I think you'll, you'll see some short-term renters that have furnished their properties that aren't getting the income they expect, or it's a lot more work than they expected move to midterm, which are far less work. It's almost, it's slightly more work than a long-term rental, but still with significantly more income, 1.5 to 2x. So it does make a lot of sense in a lot of markets. I, I probably wouldn't focus too much on it in big short-term rental markets because there's a lot of inventory. I would focus more on areas that are uh, not traditional. Like you're like, well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to vacation in Huntsville, Alabama, but there could be, there, there's a bunch of space development going on there. Maybe there's some big hospitals there. I'm not sure, but, you know, think about kind of more urban markets where, you know, a midterm stay could make sense. You could even look at rent by the room. That's an opportunity too with a with a furnished property like that. Um, with Serenity Stays, which is kind of our vertically aligned management company, um, we we put all, all of our myself and some partners put all of our properties in there, and we manage for other clients. And we are very heavily focused on midterm. And we do this for two reasons. One is the properties that are short term rentals that do great, but on a very seasonal basis are empty in the off season, right? It's not like, oh, you're getting one or two now. No, they're the, there's so much inventory that they're empty in the off season. Well, if you can place a midterm renter in there, even if it's technically a negative cash flow, overall for the year, it's a much more positive cash flow compared to your competitors. So that's where we started on midterm rentals, but then we started putting some insurance stays in and we we're like, well, wait a minute. This is almost as good or in some markets better than short-term rentals. So we are, <laughs> we're building out our insur insurance partner list pretty hard right now. We're, we're um, working to build it to a hundred partners is our goal so that we'd be able to place someone in any property at any time. That's where we want to be at. Um, and then we're looking pretty hard at acquiring midterm rentals, um, either kind of multi-units and, and focusing down on some specific markets to, to buy in. So yes, I do think midterm rentals are a good space in between the two that is a good focus point and you do have to be careful because anything could get saturated right um so that's just a, a risk we take in real estate but that's a natural market cycle for anything i want to hear a little bit more about this uh the insurance connections that you're making are these uh just different companies and brokerages and people you're reaching out to that in the case that yeah somebody gets displaced they need a place to stay you they are already aware of your properties and you can have a smooth transition straight into that yeah, so our goal is to have a Rolodex of companies that we can send our properties to every month. Hey, reminder, we have these properties. They're ready to fill. Um, and then source folks, right? And a lot of these stays are um, much longer than one month. So they're usually going to sign up for two to three. And then they may have to extend based on whatever's happening with their home. Maybe they had a fire and it's got to be renovated. And it takes time, right? So those extensions happen. Um, and these people are wonderful, wonderful tenants because they're just happy to still be in a home. You know what? And and the insurance companies pay a, a decent amount of money for these stays. So um, sometimes more than you would get as a short-term rental, depending on the market and the current conditions. So um, I think it's a, a great strategy to be looking at right now. I mean, you could in mo in many urban markets, just convert a home into a furnished rental. It doesn't, now you're not looking at having to do an expensive wow furnish like you would for a short-term rental. Now you could take a regular home that's in good condition and furnish it with decent, uh, um, you know, furniture and, and, and fixtures and whatnot. 
and now rent it out on this basis. Now remember, you're still going to have a couple months of vacancy in there, so you do need to kind of factor that in. But yeah, there's there's two kind of companies we're reaching out to. One are just insurance companies that we're just doing research. We're finding insurance companies, whether they're local or state or national. Um, we're trying to get find inroads to all the kind of placement services and create those connections, as well as there's a few companies out there that also just do this placement for you. So you can basically pay a fee or pay a fee in bulk to say, hey, list our properties in this insurance placement database and then find us uh, a tenant. And some of them have guarantees. Like we will find you someone in 30 days or we'll pay you back, right? So that's that's a, that's uh, that's interesting, right? Because that, that, that makes you perk up and go, hmm, it's almost like a no-brainer. Right. I think what, what you're doing there, it's, I mean, it's just the best way to conduct business is to reverse engineer it, right? Find the issue, find the people that, you know, they have this going on, right? And you're solving the need that is already there. You're not creating some sort of, I mean, you know, short-term, mid-term rental or some something and hoping you can find your clientele. It's like, no, we're, we're starting with the people that have the need. And then, you know, we provide the space and, and we'll be ready to go. So that's, I, I, that's really interesting. I haven't heard many people look into that strategy of, of those connections ahead of time, but there's obviously more management and communication and setup involved in doing this. But like you're saying, if you can be at a time and a half to three, four X, what a regular long-term rental would make that same property, then it's, it's worthwhile. and can make a lot of sense. And so I know you, you mentioned having some, you know, in-house management maybe, or virtual uh, people that help you with the management on these properties. What does that look like? How did you set that up? Yeah, so I, I started self-managing properties because I wanted to build up cash flow faster. Now, to be clear, self-managing properties is no different than rehabbing properties. That is a J-O-B, okay? Now, yes, the income makes money and the cash flows. And so there's, there's of course, the cash flow and passive income piece to that. But managing a short-term rental is by far not passive at all, right? Um, in fact, it counts as active income from a taxation perspective, right? Which is both good and bad, depending on how you look at it and what where you need to write things off. But um, I got really good at it. So I, I got really good at self-managing properties from afar, a couple in Nashville, one in Birmingham, one in Colorado, one in North Georgia, one in Orlando. And, uh, you know, I didn't live anywhere near any of them. And so um, what I found was if you if you set up all your automations as best you can, you um, screen your guests as best you can, you mentally prepare them for what's to come. Like we had one that didn't have Internet, basically. It was really crappy Internet. You can't stream TVs. You might check emails without pictures attached. Right. I would have to prepare them up front. Like, don't book here if you want to telework. I'm sorry. Right. And so, yes, that that kind of sucks. We missed out on some guests, but the guests that stayed there came there expecting to unplug, right? So manage expectations up front and then having a good handyman and cleaner in that local market, responsive, great, that can help you with all sorts of additional smaller things. That's the key to success for self-managing. Now, when you get to six, (laughs) you can't do it anymore uh, because you basically have to bring on some virtual assistants. You have to bring on folks to help you because otherwise... You will always be tied to this sucker right here. You you can never, ever turn your phone off in the short-term rental space because um, you're the manager. And if something goes wrong, it's on you. And of course, things never go wrong at a, on you know Tuesday at 2 p.m. They go wrong at check-in when the guest gets there at 9 p.m. at night on a Friday, right? So um, 
that became a, a lot to manage. So I decided, hey, you know, I didn't get into this to for another job. Um, I'm at the point where I'm going to hire out. So I ended up first hiring a virtual assistant who used to work at Airbnb. Um, and then she helped me kind of take tasks off my plate. Um, and then partnered with a couple other folks who also owned short and midterm rentals, um, you know, through my war room mastermind and, and build a management company, a framework where we could also manage for other clients. We figured, well, shoot, we're doing this better than most. We're more successful in most markets than most. We can help others do the same thing. So we kind of figured we'll take this, we'll put, we'll build it out for our places and then we'll manage for other clients in the way that they should be done for investors. Um, as we were never happy with property management services that existed out there. And so, so we did it. We built our own. Right. That's, that's huge is, yeah, you found, you, you built it up over time, right? You started doing it yourself. You learned the ins and outs of it so that you're equipped and ready to train somebody that you, you know, eventually brought in to help, you know, fully manage this. And I, I like that. Yeah. You're taking it at that next level and Hey, there's another, there is a need out there. People need quality property management, especially for these unique scenarios. Um, that it can be harder to find good managers for and just using your current team and resources to to build that almost separate company in and of itself. I, I, w- I wanted to ask about the the acquisition of these properties because you're you mentioned all kinds of different locations across the state. Uh, I'm curious why, um, you know, diversify spread out over many different areas and how you came across these different deals. Yeah, so um, initially it was uh, whoever I was partnering with at the time and whoever I knew that could find markets with good deals, right? Your network is your net worth in this business. And so if you know somebody who's crushing it, like, for example, in Nashville, um, my, my buddy Andrew had bought a couple places in Nashville, and this was when it was up and coming and people, you know, it wasn't that big of a thing yet. People were afraid of regulations there. And he told me how much he was bringing in on a three bedroom townhome. I was like, well, that works all day. Like I have to do that. So <laughs> I bought the place next door. Right. And then I bought another one. And so uh, it, it just became a, a, a kind of a cat and mouse game of, hey, where's where's a good market? OK, um, North Georgia. It was kind of like the um, uh, what's the market in Tennessee that everybody loves that um, Avery Carl made famous, the Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg area. Right. right. Um, yeah. Well, that was way too expensive by the time I figured it out. So we were like, what's an alternative? Oh, North Georgia people escape in Atlanta. So we bought a place there. And then it was, you know, my, one of my business partners moved to Colorado and he's like, guys, there's some really cool places out here in great locations. Oh, look at this dome. And we're like, we have to buy that. Right. We just knew that was going to be a great property. Um, and so I see properties all the time that I see and I know that will work regardless of where it's located. Um, I'm not quite in that, but we're positioning ourselves to be able to to just n- grab those properties and furnish them and launch them. Um, we're not quite to that point yet. I think we will, um, in addition to residential assisted living, we're probably going to get some more midterm rentals and then and then look back at unique short-term rentals and add those to the portfolio. So trying to get more um, just uh, diversified um, and be able to kind of take anything on in most markets. Now we're going to focus down, of course, for our to create our deal flow. Um, but in the short-term space, for me, it would be if I see something pop up, regardless of market, if it's an urban-ish area and it looks incredibly unique, buy it, right? <laughs> but it doesn't matter so, because it'll it'll generally work. Right. And the way you've been able to do that, like you mentioned, is 
because of the network that you have created and these people you've got connected to that they're sending you deals from all over, right? You first got to get connected. You've got to see, you got to have deals, good deals getting brought to you, especially helpful if it's people you know and trust and, you know, they're giving you good advice on these properties. And then, yeah, now you've got a little bit of this, uh, you know, you, you have this figured out over the course of a few years, you've tested it. Now you can spot those deals a little bit easier of, okay, unique property, somewhat urban location. Like you said, you got your parameters and now we can jump in. And again, due to the people that you know. So how, how important is, is your network to you? And what has been, what are, what have been some ways you've been, uh, focusing on that, working to grow it and, and just get your name out there and, and working with high quality people. Dude, the, the network is everything. I, the, the people I know, you know, I, I feel like I could go achieve anything just by knowing these, these folks. And I've been, I've been connected and friends with, with these folks for a long time now. And I just keep making more and more cool friendships with really great, amazing entrepreneurs. Um, and the cool thing is like, even though they may be way ahead of you, right. You, they, they don't, treats you like you're an idiot and you get to learn all the knowledge just by soaking it up and being in the same room with these people and they share everything. Um, it's absolutely incredible. So the, the war room really changed that for me. Um, David Prey, he, he's the military to millionaire, um, good friend of mine. We've been friends for, for years now. Um, he started this mastermind of just military or veteran real estate investors. Um, and it's, it's grown hugely since then, but, um, that was like my first mastermind. Up until that point, I was like, I'm not going to spend money on this crap. Like, rip, 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 right. I, and I look back on that, that prior self and go, you were an idiot who knew nothing. Right. And, um, I, I can say without a doubt that between that and EXP, like I, they totally changed my life. Right. I, I made big pivots, big changes, um, a couple development things along the way. And, um, now I make every opportunity or make every attempt to participate in the mastermind. I, I participate in events. If there's kind of cool, smaller, fo- I like smaller format networking events a lot more than, than big, like, uh, showy conferences, though I do, I do a couple of those as well, but the small format, you know, less than two dozen people and like a ski retreat or a silo retreat is really where you just, your mind gets so expanded um, it's, it's just absolutely insane to me, um, how much you can learn from folks. So yeah, my network is worth everything to me. And I would, <laughs> I would do everything to, to, you know, help those other people out, um, you know, in, in the off chance that in the future, they'd help me out. Right. Right. That's, that's great to hear. I, I definitely, it's something I'm working on more and more is just getting more connected and going to these different events and groups because education is crucial in this business, right? When we're Doing our, or growing our own companies, entrepreneurial, you know, finding new ways to in, improve. You've got to constantly be educating yourself, and that's going to come from reading. That's going to come from you know podcasts and things. But a very very effective, maybe the most effective way is to hear from people that have been there before you that you can model and repeat you know their success again and again. So what you're saying is the more you you know jumped into the the more you know value you gained and. And in turn, you know, the value you want to provide to people. I mean, it seems like that's something really big that's, you know, important to you is helping others out, training others in in real estate. Uh, I know for sure with, with the retail side, can you give me some insight 
into why that is a priority for you and a little bit of um, what you do um, on the on the training and helping other side of real estate? Yeah, I, I think I discovered in the past year that the thing I enjoy the most is um, helping others do what I've done, period. And so um, that that's mostly applicable to real estate. So helping others invest in real estate, helping others become, you know, great part-time agents, transition from part-time to full-time, um, serve more clients well, attract leads. That's something I've gotten really good at um, and build things, businesses, their, their, their business, build their freedom, build, you know. Um, and so I, I really get the most out of, you know, I have a Tuesday night mastermind I have with my national real estate team. Every Tuesday we get on there and I usually teach something and I just love it. <laughs> they ask all these questions and we go through so many things. We all learn so much together and people share their experiences and I learn back. And it's just, I just get so much out of that. And you know, it's, it's networking in another form. Um, but I, I've gotten a ton out of it. And so I, I, yes, I got a lot out of being a real estate agent. Um, it was harder than I expected <laughs> having been an investor first. Um, and, but easier in some ways than, than I thought. And so um, helping others get past those first struggles that I had faster and be successful faster is awesome. Um, plus with the XP, I, I, it's, it's an, a, a, essentially I can build a national team and create another cash flow stream all paid by EXP for helping others succeed. So it's a really cool, um, cool way where I put content out there. People find me on the internet, mostly Google, sometimes YouTube. They reach out and schedule a call with me because they're interested in EXP. Um, I offer to help them at the company. They join. And then when they're successful, I'm also successful. And so it's a really cool way where it's all it, I can provide all this value, the masterminds, training, tools, mentorship, help them invest, help them lead generate all 100% free to them. And I get compensated by EXP. So that's, you know, that's one of my um, passive income streams, really. It, it, yes, I, I do a lot for my team. I create courses. I create content. I, I mentor them. I have multiple calls a week with them. I my calendar is open to them, but like, I enjoy all of that. So to me, it feels like it's not work. Right. So that to me is passive, right? Um, it, it's not work to me and it's, it's just so much fun helping others. It's, it's the same feeling I get from helping a first time VA home buyer buy a home, but I can do this now on a national and international basis, help real estate agents grow their business and have a way to step away from selling homes at some point. That's the, one of the big downfalls of being a real estate agent is there, there hasn't until recently been any sort of passive income or retirement option, never a retirement option. Now you can do that and I can help them build, you know, transition their business to referrals, transition to buying, you know, cash flowing real estate, using their real estate license, transition to building their own team um, and, and automating and, and building that out in such a way that they can step away and they can eventually kind of create a passive um, income stream. Right. No, I, I think that's huge is, is helping out the people in your industry, the, you know, in a place that you once were um, just going through and helping elevate them and take them to the next level. And I'm curious, you know, there's a lot that goes on, like with what you're saying and in, in, in helping these people out. How do you how do you break up your time? Is it shifting more and more towards that with the training and, and EXP and, and these different things? 
um, away from maybe some of the long-term investing um, or is it still plenty of both? I mean, how do you break up your time and find a priority of where you want to be and grow in different ways? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. When I find that answer, I'll let you know. But yeah. I mean, so um, I, I subscribe very heavily to The One Thing, Gary Keller. Um, that book changed my life um, in a lot of ways. I used to be the guy that would create, write things on the list just so I could check them off right? That it already did because that little endorphin kick, right? Woo. I did it. Like when I realized that I was the guy that was handling all the easy, quick things first and not doing the most important thing that would give you 80% of the results. Um, so that really changed a lot for me. So I basically, I have a whiteboard here and I, I write on, I've got my different categories of things, right? It's basically three big lines of effort. It's real estate acquisitions and, and management. It's, um, building a local successful real estate team and building a national team. So I can kind of divide it into those three categories. Now, what happens on a, I have regular meetings and regular things I have to do every week. That's just, that's just life. Like I've got to plan that mastermind on Tuesday nights has to happen. Got to send out the email. I want people to be there. I want them to get value. Um, but outside of that, it, it's more of a, um, what's the thing that's going to get me closer to my goal. So we talked about Hey, the, the thousand dollars a day thing, what I did, um, to help me do that. And this was after one of those kind of smaller networking events. Um, I'll, I'll show this with you cause I think maybe it'll help your audience, but, um, I took a, a head in my notebook, but I transferred it to a PowerPoint slide where I have 30 boxes on this slide. All I have to do is fill the boxes. And so it, it just makes it so much simpler. I've got this many boxes filled. I expect this many boxes to be filled by later activities here, but you know, what is my goal this year? I want to fill four more boxes. It doesn't really matter where the income comes from. It could be growing my national team. It could be growing referrals from, uh, or, or team splits from my local team. It could be, um, buying one more residential assisted living facility with a couple partners. It could be buying a midterm rental. It, you know, it, it could be any of those things. All I have to do is figure out what's the next uh, easiest win I can go do that's what I need to do right now. Right. And so that's, that's been a game changer for me is, all right, let me look at the board. What's going to get me closer to that goal. Mm, I think it's going to be this thing. So when I, I, I time block very heavily, when I have those open areas to focus on my one thing, I figure out which one of those one things is getting me closer to that. I like that. I like that kind of that box method of you, you just need to fill the box, right? Sometimes you can get so rigid on, well, it's gotta be, passive income from a short-term rental and you know and you're just you're trying to force it almost of like i gotta find this deal you spend all your time running around trying to do this versus now like let me just look at the variety of options that i have here in order to reach this goal because oftentimes the best deals you know you know they're gonna get brought to you by somebody in your network or you'll you know you'll come upon it with a lead that you're doing from your outbound inbound marketing and you can't force some of those those things versus you know yeah using your time to the best of your ability and just and reaching that goal in whatever way makes the most sense. So I think I like that method there and quite heard it that way. And I, and I was curious, you know, I'm, I'm not so much on the retail side myself, but having a team um, locally, are you, uh, are you interacting with that team on a pretty day-to-day level? And can that growing that team be pretty lucrative and in, in a, in a, future sense passive where you're almost stepping out of it or do you need to be there 
pretty consistently throughout the days and weeks? So that's a really good question um, because my wife's still active duty, right? So we're going to move next summer. I've got about a year left here. And so building a local team sometimes to me feels like, ah, does this even make sense what I'm doing right now? Um, but here's where it does make sense. What The things that I'm building are attracting clients. I use uh, a couple of methods, YouTube, a Facebook community, um, and we're adding SEO to essentially find military members who are moving to the area that need help, right? And so we help them with stuff, whether they're buying a house or not. We, we provide all the value we can because that's still going to just, it just pays off. That's just life, right? Karma. Um, and so, um, but those things we're doing and we're creating content for and we're building, I've I basically, I, I'm almost all hands off except for kind of creating the YouTube videos, but um, that stuff's kind of forever. So that Facebook community will keep growing. That YouTube channel will keep getting views. Um, and it'll keep growing. The SEO will continue to grab traffic. And so all those things I do will continue to create leads. Now, of course, any real estate agent that tells you they're doing just as well now as they were a year ago is a liar. Um, incoming leads are way down because people can't afford to buy houses. It's just, and, and people aren't selling their houses because where the heck, heck would they go, right? So inventory is down. Prices are the same because of that, but, you know, there's less buyers in the market. So, um, but we're scaling our lead generate. We're just, we're, we're going all in because we know it's cyclical. Things will come around and we'll be good to go. So what I have done is I've taken a step back from sales myself. I still kind of work for friends and family, but for the most part, I um, give those clients to my team and I'm here to support them. And I provide a transaction coordinator and marketing materials. And we, we have all this stuff. I meet with them once a week um, at my partner lender's office. And so I have a whole drive of videos on how to do everything in this business. And so I, I've made it as best I can. I've taken myself out of the picture where I can, like, oh, you need to write a specific contract, go watch this video, right? I don't want to, not to be rude, but I don't want to take that time when I've already taken the time, right? Sure. Go watch it, then ask any questions, right? And then we, you know, we meet once a week where I can kind of cats and dogs, get all the questions answered and, and mentor and help them lead generate and that kind of stuff. But, um, it's, it is a lot of work in the, the respect that I, I do have to mentor a lot, but I still like that piece. So, you know, my heart's in it and it's not because you're right. I'm moving in a year. What happens? Well, what happens is I can just continue to refer. I won't be there to be the, really the support pillar anymore. Um, but for more senior agents or agents than now on the team that have been selling for a year, they won't really need that. I could still do that from afar. So it'll be more of a referral structure. A lot of agents, um, including Dave Perret, are like, you know, six figure referral agents. So for me, it'll be, it'll be replacing that active mentor side of things with more of a referral basis where I just hand them the, the client and they go close the deal. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of that happening in real estate anyways. So it, that'll be the transition. Um, I haven't quite ironed out exactly what that looks like, but, but it, becomes, you know, a referral is to me, semi-passive income. Sure. It's easy. It's a 10th of the work for 25% of the income, um, 25 to 30. So it's, it's worthwhile to me. Right. And it's great that, yeah, you enjoy that process a lot anyways. And that's where you like spending, you know, your time and helping and, and uh, with that training. Uh, it's interesting because a lot of, you know, some of the things you're saying, you know, recording the processes, you know, putting in a Google drive, the how to's, you know, being that pillar of support for your team, that's definitely something that I feel like 
for most doesn't come natural, right? Like that is a process of learning how to essentially grow a business, uh, something that doesn't need your direct intervention at all times. They can go to the system you created and still benefit and check in with you if there's things outside of that. Uh, that's definitely something that you have to create if you don't want to be the one constantly interacting and in so that you can impact more people and more people can benefit through, you know, your experience and the work that you've created and something else that you're doing that you're saying is you've helped really build up an audience and, and drive leads to your team and these people that they can then handle and go and make money, which in turn comes back to you at some level. But what uh, about maybe social media, whether it's the YouTube, these Facebook groups, why have you chosen to spend time there and uh, what's, you know, have you seen some great effectiveness there? I'm, I'm guessing with the way our world currently works, uh, what, what drove you to choose those methods for, for putting yourself out there? Yeah. So, um, my first year in real estate, I, I, I joined a local team, um, and he's still one of my very biggest mentors. Um, great dude. Um, just a killer investor and agent, former air force as well. But, um, he was like, you got a cold call. Here's the tools and systems. Go cold call, watch these videos, ready to go. I tried it for like an hour. I was like, this, uh, this sucks. Uh, I don't like cold calls. I don't like cold calling. And I, I, my mindset at the time, this was four years ago almost, was, well, I'm not good at cold calling. I'm probably never going to, I'm not going to be passionate about it to get good enough at it. I can't do real estate sales. I thought this for almost a year. Okay. Before I kind of realized that there were other ways to do lead generation in real estate. In fact, I, I create a list of 120 ways um, and that that's shareable. So, you know, if any of your listeners want to go um, download that it's for real estate agents, really. But um, but I realized that I liked attracting leads. I'd already been doing it to grow a national team. I was doing it through SEO. So basically, if you like go Google um you know, best brokerage for part-time agents, best brokerage for investor agents. I'll be page one. You'll find my posts there. And I've gotten really, really good at that, mostly through failing first at trying to do SEO before I've applied it to this. So anytime you fail at something, just keep this in mind. You're still learning something valuable then, and nobody can take that away from you. That's always applicable later in life to something else. So, um, but yeah, so I, I learned that I could attract leads. And so I ended up creating a Facebook community to help military members moving to the area, moving to and from the area. Like, hey, what? how do you get on base housing? That benefits me zero as a real estate agent, right? But it benefits the military community at large, which is my community. So either way, that's a win to me. Plus, hey, it grows my Facebook community. We're providing valuable, engaging content. Hey, here's events happening on base. Hey, here's... Um, and then I, I share real estate things. Hey, here's what you need to know about the VA loan. Here's what you need to know about current interest rates. Here's what you need to know about affordability in our area. What's the BAH? What's the, the wait list for daycare? And so um, by creating this community around providing value to military members, we created an avenue to also share what we do and share multiple ways we can show them that, hey, we're the real estate team for you. We're veterans. We're military spouses. We've been in your boots is what we say. And, you know, We'll give you this PCS guide to help you move to the area. And it, it's got our, our team's information at the back, right? We'll give you as much content here. Here's our YouTube videos on the VA buyer process, right? 
And and some people will watch that whole 30-minute video and decide to work with a different agent. That's okay, right? Uh, my goal is not to spam people or to make them feel uncomfortable. My goal is to make them feel ultimately comfortable with us. They can reach out and work with us. They have lots of ways to do that. Um, mostly they fill out a form that says, yes, I want to work with you, and here's my requirements, and then we, we go to work. Um, but yeah, I learned lead attraction. Um, and my the next phase of some of my development will be creating some lead attraction courses, which I'll give to my team, but also make available for kind of selling to others who want to repeat this process of using Facebook communities, SEO, YouTube, and essentially kind of light social media to bring clients to you. Because that ultimately is is a way better use of your time to create content once um, and put things on autopilot and attract people to you. When they reach out to you to work with you, like, hey, Lincoln, I saw your YouTube video. I want to buy a house. That's a done deal. You don't have to compete anymore. Um, and in my market, anyone with a driver's license can be a real estate agent. So they're all real estate agents. So there's a lot of competition. So to me, it was like, I'm not going to spend my time trying to um, fight with other agents. I'm just going to show my value and you could take it or leave it, period. Right. I think that that's huge. And when you build these different groups, right, where you're just simply adding value, not always seeing some immediate return, right? That That's fine because you're building a community that begins to to know and trust you, right, as the one that's helping organize this. And, and then it's things that come way down the line, right? Or opportunities that come from these groups um, that, you know, if you're giving and giving and it, naturally there's that response for many people, they want to, to give back in return. They want to be a part of what you're doing uh, in another avenue. So I think what you're doing there is, is, is huge and, um, and, you know, something that you enjoy as well and can spend some time doing. Uh, can you give us, you know, you've kind of mentioned a few things here, but some insight into some goals that you've got for maybe your your portfolio, um, you know, short-term rentals or, or long-term, whatever you're working on there, uh, some maybe the assisted living, um, as well as, yeah, with some of these, uh, the trainings and groups. Yeah, um, I closed my first assisted living this year. I'm under contract on another, so I'm excited about those opportunities. Um, I want to transition my Serenity Stays company to also kind of add an acquisitions line. So that's something we're working on pretty heavily. Um, those are kind of soft goals, right? Like just kind of squishy ones. Um, to me, it's all about filling in those boxes, right? And so um, one of the ways I'm doing that is uh, continuing to grow my national agent team too. So it's going to be a large part investing and helping other real estate investors with management if they want it um, and growing that team. So one of those squishy goals that gets me to the more boxes checked is to become the, the kind of the number one resource on exp in terms of uh, a, a blog um got a couple competitors they, i'm not sure they know i'm coming for them but uh it's only a matter of time so well, you're coming and it's happening it's happening one way or another um so i'm stoked about that and um i'm also hoping uh to to kind of you know i've learned how to build a national team right i've learned how to help them succeed. I've learned how to help military succeed, military buyers succeed. So kind of the, maybe the next big thing would be to take that nationally and create um, a military focused real estate team. Um, and a one, one stop shop for military members to go to where they know 
they're going to get matched up with an agent who has been in their boots and understands the VA loan and understands their specific needs and requirements. This is so hard for military families moving. People really don't get it. They go get their, you know, non-military agents go get their MRP, military relocation professional badge and think that there's some, they just don't. And so um, I would love to have, you know, the, the, the known brand nationwide that military members can go to and they know they're going to get an agent they can trust that's military focused that's going to help them with their their move so that's kind of a, a goal that i have with uh with david prey and and something that we want to go build it is a big lift though and we're both very busy so we're trying to figure out how to fit that in but i think that would be pretty cool to to put my name behind right um hey we built this national resource for military members um but we'll see how it goes lots to do lots absolutely no i mean yeah you got a lot going but i I can definitely see that happening as you know you've done this yourself right you like i said you've walked in their shoes you've you've gone through this process and you're already doing it you know on on the scale with your team and and some of these local areas um yeah and now it's just like hey how can we take this national you know and provide this value to this entire group of, of military. And I think that, yeah, I'm excited to, to hear about that progress because I know, I know you guys will make it happen. Uh, I want to know in a year and see if we got started on it. <laughs> yes, yes nothing will be in tune for that. Uh, well, Charlie, I wanted to go into uh, kind of the final part of this podcast. We always ask the same four questions. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw these your way. Uh, number one here, uh, what is one of the best pieces of advice that you have been given? Yeah, it's, I said it already, but network is your net worth. Like I never would have started investing if I didn't start going to a local meetup. I kind of failed to mention that piece, but that's what got me connected to the right people to make my first investment. Um, and then from there, it's been the network has helped me find the right real estate investments. The network has helped me grow a team. The network has helped me become a successful real estate. The network has helped me achieve financial freedom from a W-2. Like, And the network continues to help me. If I've got a question about XYZ, I can ask these people who are way higher levels than me and they're willing to give, give right? Because we've established that relationship over time. And the only way you're going to do that is by going out and meeting people. Um, that's, that's by far the best advice that... I've received and I could give. And it doesn't have to be expensive. You don't have to pay for 20 grand masterminds. There are much easier ways. You don't have to pay for any mastermind, though I've I've got a lot of value out of mine, but um, way more than I pay in. Right. That's it's huge. Uh, Just like anything else, you've got to put time and energy and effort into it, right? It's not just going to, you know, I could just kind of randomly meet up with these super successful people that are where you want to be. Like you've got to, you know, you got to work for it, but Focusing on that will take you so much further than you could go on your own. I 100% agree. Uh, number two here, what is one of your favorite business books? It, it It's a it's not exactly a business book, but the one thing I think has been the biggest game changer for me in terms of productivity and output. Like I just kind of was all over the place. And when I discovered the one thing and actually applied it, I started getting so much more accomplished. Like I, it, it became instead of just like, linear and then setbacks it became more of an exponential curve um to net worth and cash flow so that was big for me i i recommend everybody read that one and start implementing those people read and they're like oh this is stupid like the one thing but they don't do it so you (laughs) you know they're like ah i'm not i'm not getting where i want to be it's like well did you try doing the thing 
Um, I think a more complex version of that is free of focus. I read that recently. I immediately had to read it again because that was super helpful in figuring out what I should be working on on a daily basis versus what I shouldn't. Um, and I do think everybody should read. I, I know I give you three answers. The Go-Giver, also not really a business book, but it kind of beats home a number of rules that I, I would sum up as the more people you can provide value to in any of your endeavors, the more successful you're going to be. And just focus on providing value to the most amount of people possible and the rest will come, right? And so I think too few people are worried about uh, what's my dollar per revenue and what's the doot to doot and how do I get there the cheapest way and how do I, uh, I'm not making money out. Like, no, just provide value and you're going to, it's just going to come back. It's just how the world works. Right. No, I, I like that. Yeah. Thanks for those recommendations because, uh, and like you said, a lot of people, you know, you can read a book, right? But you got to, you got to go and act it out. You got to put into motion what it's saying and see if it works rather than just maybe knock it or talk about it and, and not really ever have the chance. And like you said, maybe you got to read it a second time to really get it to stick because it's not just like uh, a book is a magical thing. Once you read the information, it just automatically is going to happen uh, the way it needs to. So those are, those are all great great recommendations. And number three here, what is one character trait you notice that successful people commonly share? This one was an easy one for me, but I did break it up into three parts, but um, it's an abundance mindset. So, uh, and I, I found as I got more and more into this entrepreneurial mindset and surrounding myself with other like-minded, abundance-minded, growth-minded individuals, that all my past friends... <laughs> You know, 80% of them uh, have basically been kind of push, pushed aside, right? Like I was spending a lot of time with people that weren't helping me grow. In fact, would make fun of things I was doing, like real estate investing. And I <laughs> I realized if I cut those ties, I became much, much happier and I grew much faster, right? So you have to surround yourself with an abundance mindset. Um, and I think, you know, that, that comes down to a number of things. One, they understand that value is far more important than price. What am I getting out of this versus what am I paying for? The people that are like, I want the cheapest option. Don't get very far. <laughs> so you have to think about value. It's all about what you're getting in return for what you pay. Um, the second thing is that um, you can achieve far more by partnering with others than you can by yourself. And so you can be exponentially successful versus linearly successful. You know, you can have a 10x size business by partnering with two or three people than you can just, you know, 1x by yourself. It's, it's insane. And then the third thing is that um, they understand that they have the most to gain by acting as the dumbest person in the room and can always learn from anyone, right? You can learn from anybody at any status in life. Um, you know, I learn business stuff from my landscaper. It's, you know, I go to lunch with him so I can just like learn how his business works and how, how can I apply that to my business, right? How can I help him? Like you just, you have that insatiable desire for growth and learning. Um, then you're, you know, you, you've got that abundance mindset. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great, I mean, couldn't agree more that abundance mindset and looking for value, um, to provide with people and, and to partner with people on things that you can do so much more with as well as, yeah, learning from absolutely anybody, any situation, then just having that curiosity of, yeah, how can I improve? How can I help another person in the situation is, is huge. And, I can definitely see that in your, you know, your journey over the last few years is just is living in that way of, okay, I'm going to learn, I'm going to grow. I've got that mindset and, and how can I help others have that and, and even, um, you know, get something from others that I'm around and 
as they're saying. So uh, I'm 100% with you there. Well, then the fourth thing, I know that you, you know, you're out there on different social medias and such, um, have some different groups. Uh, definitely tell us about those and where can people connect with you? Yeah, probably the easiest thing to do is either shoot me an email, crusherwithcharlie at gmail.com or um, hop over to my my kind of agent growth and freedom blog, agentwealthhustle.com and just fill out the contact form there because um, there are so many avenues. Those are probably the best ones that I'm fastest to respond to. Um, and then if, if people are kind of interested in, in short or midterm rental management, those kind of things, they can, they can hit us up at serenitystays.com. So there's a, there's a handful of, of ways to reach out. Absolutely. We'll leave links to those different, uh, places in the show notes description. So check it out. Uh, Charlie, this has been a great conversation, very insightful. And, uh, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing with us here. Like, it was a blast, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Well. Thank you all for tuning in to the Growth Circle podcast here. If you found value from this episode like I did, if you would leave us a rating, five-star review, we would appreciate it. And we will catch you on the next one.